pulling out here. I'm in the car. <clears throat> Welcome to Movie Pie. This is GG Conk, your host, and this episode we are going to get into the 1990 Sean Connery espionage thriller, The Russia House. Um, wow, I loved, loved this movie. Um, and I've had this on my list for a, a short while because I honestly didn't think to add it to my list. Nothing about this movie previously excited me. I thought this was a middle-of-the-road studio picture. Connery is earning out his contract in his later years. Um, You've got the Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer in there. And I just thought, oh, this looks terrible. I'd seen that it was on television a few times back in the day uh, when I was younger. And it was just one of those, you know, there was nothing about it. Perhaps it was the marketing. I don't know. Uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. I really, really love this movie. It stayed with me for days afterwards. And... um, as you'll know, William, got my fucking apparent co-host, if he ever turns up, and me, Gigi Conk, the real instigator of this idea, the podcast, Movie Pipe, um, we are fans of Connery, as many people are. Um, but, and I'm not afraid to admit this, we hadn't really explored Connery's broader filmography beyond The Untouchables. <laughs> we kind of got stuck on The Untouchables as our apex mountain, to borrow uh, The Unwatchables vernacular. And um, I'm really glad uh, I took the initiative and convinced us to look beyond uh, Connery's role in The Untouchables, which is obviously excellent. This is a similarly different Connery, um, but he's doing fantastic work here. I really think he's enjoying this movie. I think he enjoys the character. Um, And why do I say that? Because he's really committing to this, uh, this character who is the opposite of who you would think Connery to be. Connery is the absolute pro, alpha movie star. And he brings that into practically every film. I mean, you've just got to watch The Hunt for Red October, another Connery fave of ours. Um, And he is basically being Sean Connery. He just happens to be a Russian submarine captain but he is Sean Connery in movies he has that permanence on the screen you cannot shake it this is Sean Connery and um, I'm here and my hair's not here in most cases anyway the Russia house 
he plays a publisher and he's kind of a cad this sort of uh, barfly guy he's permanently soaked in booze he wears some dodgy uh, almost like Michael Winner style director outfits sort of like utility jacket come uh, Bond Street pub dweller and he's just excellent anyway the story is also something we should talk about um, basically uh, Connery gets caught up in this conspiracy with British and American intelligence um, <clears throat> through his publishing network he's a publisher in this movie and the the film starts out as and you don't realize this until a little further down the line it's an extended flashback but it's not really a flashback it's more of a retelling of the intelligence intelligence surveillance documents that set the scene of this whole story and i thought this was a genius device storytelling device um it introduces characters it creates the inciting incident it also puts connery in the story but he doesn't know he is now the protagonist until a little bit later so you obviously have the assumption it's sean connery he's the hero but that doesn't happen until much much later in the story and actually the first act is this brilliant surveillance style retelling cross-cutting of the setup for this story um michelle pfeiffer's character is trying to share state secrets with the u.s she's trying to help her friend defect he's a kgb agent and connery becomes entangled in it without realizing it because this guy who works for him is at a russian book fair and he is approached by Pfeiffer looking to share her manuscript with um, Connery's character the publishing house and intelligence British intelligence intercept this manuscript and you know think it's dodgy and then they contact Connery and pull him in to I thought was a London safe house it turns out they've flown down to Lisbon because this is where this fucking mad bastard lives he lives in Lisbon um, he's you know sort of expatriated himself from the crown um, and they're interviewing him in Lisbon to try and figure out if he's in on this conspiracy he's not however and I don't want to ruin anything about this movie like I have with most of the others because if you haven't seen the Russia house you really should stop listening to this and go and watch it because it is excellent and there's a ton of twists um, the script uh, or the story I should say is based on a John le Carre novel so I didn't know that I was ignorant to that fact going into this movie and I think had I known that back years ago I would have prioritized this movie but I didn't 
that's how much I'm still learning as a movie critic. We're all students of this uh, this world, right? And um, and the screenplay is by Tom Stoppard, who is a I would say the British equivalent of David Mamet. And this script sizzled. Connery sizzled. He has some amazing lines. Um, and it's just very economical. Uh, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, she does a remarkable Russian accent. You quickly forget that she is an American. And I've read that um, she, she was criticised for her or rather, not her, but the casting of Pfeiffer, because she so, is so remarkably, um, you know, her screen presence is so uh, golden that they felt, these other critics, not us, these other ones, they felt she was distracting, unbelievable, or they didn't buy her as a, you know, working class Russian office person. I thought they had got that wrong. I, she had this natural beauty, but through her performance, she was very believable as that person, as that individual, almost uncomfortable with her beauty. She didn't let it define her. Um, and I, I thought that was a really smart decision by Pfeiffer, um, her acting decision. What else can I say? Um, yeah, there's a great twist. Uh, Connery and Pfeiffer are obviously teed up to be, to have some sort of relationship. That does happen. Ordinarily, you would think, okay, Connery, who was at the time, he must have been in his very late 50s, um, if not his 60s. You know, he's on the way. Obviously, looks very noble, and uh, as as Connery did throughout most of his lives. Um, and you just think, okay, this old boy cannot get with the Michelle Pfeiffer of the world. But ultimately, they do have a relationship. But it, the, again, the way it's handled is smart. Um, it doesn't feel forced. He struggles to come to terms with his feelings. And she also resists those feelings. So you do get a sense of love. I think that's, it's not lust, there's love. There's something, a connection between them. And their chemistry is palpable. You really believe that uh, these characters have a connection. So I thought that was handled really well and not something I expected from an aging Connery, you know, What's that movie with uh, Michael Douglas's other half, um, Entrapment? I mean, that I feel that's a cynical Connery role where he, he gets the girl, but he's probably pushing 70, which I have no problem with, but I'm just saying it, it blurs the boundaries of believability. Um, whereas in The Russia House, I felt there was a deeper connection between Connery and Pfeiffer's character which ultimately added a brilliant payoff. Um, the direction is excellent. Again, uh, one of these 
it feels like a 70s movie, even though it's shot in the 90s. A lot of it is on location in Russia, which is unusual because you don't see that, or you didn't see that at the time. This is 1990. Uh, I'm trying to remember my European history here, but in or around the Glasnost time, so uh, the fact that an American production was able to shoot in Russia, I think, is significant, and it adds that credibility to this story. Um, you believe there is uh, a conspiracy. You believe the uh, Connery is getting caught up in this bigger thing that's bigger than him. Um, and the only goofy part, which, again, I quite liked, because it's probably a commentary, a little bit of a satire, and I always say this, on uh, the American imperialism, but Roy Scheider is cast as the US intelligent chief, and he's working with the British intelligence, um, who becomes Connery's handler, that's played by Edward Fox, very understated, brilliant role. And he's kind of the straight guy to Scheider's uh, sort of typical American bombastic um, intelligence guy. But, again, I think, you know, casting Scheider's smart, he's aging a little bit, he's lost his magic, but he's having fun with that role. And um, I do think the director probably lost him a little bit. Scheider's like, look, I want to be the, I want to come with this energy. And he didn't really understand the larger story that was being told. Um, and I don't know if that's a scheduling thing. You don't know. Um, but he obviously shot his scenes in a week or two. And a lot of his stuff is interior. So he's in a studio. He's not in Russia. There is a great scene uh, where they all convene to a boathouse and Connery is basically being interrogated by the Americans because they're not convinced that he's not actually double-crossing them because he has communist leanings. Uh, and Connery and Scheider sort of come up against each other, which is quite amusing. And then Sean fucks off outside and plays cricket with the Marines weird again just is that connery just i want to do this let's make it part of the movie but we kind of go with it and it adds to his uh his his character so shider's a weak point but it's a small problem with i thought a very underrated movie and um it has a lovely beautiful ending that oh and ken russell the British movie director, Ken Russell, is in this film. He's kind of a British intelligence asset. Uh, I think he's kind of an analyst or something. And he just is hilarious because he's Ken Russell and he's behaving like a director on the set. His line readings are terrible, but because of the character he's playing, it kind of works. And... I just really love his enthusiasm that he brings to the, the role uh, and he's dressed like a mad bastard um, 
he's got this shock of white hair, he's just basically being Ken Russell, um, and, you know, I, I don't know if he was a friend of the other, the, the director, Frank Schlepsey, I believe his name is, who does a fantastic job, um, with this, with this movie, beautiful cinematography, just a real gem, uh, especially for Connery, this is a real standout Connery performance for me, but, aside from that, just a great John le Carre adaptation and a really underrated espionage thriller. Uh, please check it out if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, uh, William, my podcast partner, will share uh, facts, details in the next episode. I'm not sure when he's going to record that, to be honest, but um, or what movie he's going to choose because his last... His last one wasn't wasn't the best, was it, friends? Um, also, next episode, I'm going to try and figure out what name do we give to our fans. Um, Pipeheads, I'm not sure what it is. So, if you have any ideas there, again, you can fax us directly, and we'll take take that into consideration as we as we figure out what to call our audience of eight people. This was Movie Pike!